Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed the World Series and have, uh, maybe you're ready to start talking baseball again. We certainly are. And joining me now is Andy Freed. Andy, I hope you enjoyed the playoffs. We have new coaches to talk about, a, uh, a World Series that I think was probably one of the better ones we've had in quite a while and, and really an intriguing playoffs overall. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was wondering, too, just from the law of averages, you know, there really weren't that many great pennant races this year. You know, we, we pretty much knew who the playoff teams, as mm-hmm. turned out, were going to be around by midseason. And you think about it, I, I know Colorado and Arizona were in those spots in the wild card from at least early July on to the end of the year. There weren't many questions about who was going to make it in the American League. The Twins ended up being, you know, a bit of a surprise coming in, but... They're all throughout the year. It seemed like it was Boston and New York and Houston and and Cleveland. Uh, so, and in the end, uh, I think we were rewarded by ha- truly having the best teams in the playoffs this year. There were some great series, and for the Indians, it was a, 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 a what might have been. I think they were the big disappointment of the postseason. But I, I credit the Astros a lot because there there was a time in there. Uh, right before they got Verlander, that it looked like they might just be a regular season team and, and might not be able to go. That Verlander trade ended up working out perfectly well. Whatever I don't remember off the top of my head what they gave up, but whatever it was, it's okay because it, it got them a World Series title. Yeah, and I think I think you, you hit on the, the, the nail on the head. I mean, there are certain moves you make where it doesn't really matter the what – you lose it's what you gain and and they got the they got the ring and and Justin Verlander was not only was did did they win the ring but he was such a major part of it what they were able to do around the day he pitched yep and you look at it and in other world series Verlander hadn't been that good he'd been pretty good in other postseasons but in prior world series with the Tigers he he had gotten hit around a little bit but not this time he was awfully good and you know, to me, when, when the Dodgers came, to me the most surprising part and the most impressive part of that World Series was how the Dodgers came back and beat Verlander in Game 6. Mm-hmm. That looked like the Astros were going to roll uh, after the momentum of the incredible Game 5. And then they came back, and Verlander had a lead, and, and their big boys were their big boys. But uh, overall, it was a great series. I mean, I, I was very impressed the other day the Dodgers took out an ad uh, celebrating the Houston Astros also. I, th- I just thought there was wonderful sportsmanship and just two really, really good teams. I mean, you could you could probably make the case that the Indians were as good as those teams, uh, but outside of that, I think it was probably the two best teams in the game. 
There's no doubt. Uh, it was certainly very entertaining. It was one of the better World Series I think we've had in a while. And look, we had last year we had the Cubs in Cleveland. I, I just thought, you know, overall the the quality of play, the 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 closeness of the games throughout. Maybe it, it, Game Seven, obviously with Cubs in Cleveland was better, but I thought the overall series I thought was a little bit better with the Houston Dodgers. Yeah, and I think in just about every series, with the exception being the Indians-Yankees series, I think the best team won mm-hmm. in, every, in every one of those series. Now, you could make a case between Astros and Dodgers. You know, who knows? Maybe a, a best, I wouldn't have minded seeing a best of 15. <laughs> uh, you know, and just seeing them uh, play each other. Because, uh, you know, I, as big market as the Dodgers are, every West Coast team, if you're in the East Coast, it's very hard to, to keep up with exactly what they're doing because they're playing so late at night. I wasn't that familiar with the Dodgers. Uh, but how about a move like Chris Taylor? I mean, that, my goodness, that was a, a season-saving, season-changing move for them. And as much as I want to sit back and say, you know, my instinct is to say, you know, they're $200 million payroll, and that's all true. Uh, but it was a, some, some of their under-the-radar guys that ended up being very, very big for them. And you look at the career of Justin Turner and how that uh, he has ended up being a late bloomer. They're a very interesting group. And the, to, the biggest disappointment for the Dodgers and the reason they lost that World Series is you Darvish. Mm-hmm. And uh, when do you and I ever see Darvish get hit? He never gets hit around, and he had two horrible starts in the in the World Series. If you had to say who's the biggest goat of the series, it's got to be you, Darvish. Well, and that goes into free agency. I mean, you know, there was a lot of question after his last the last game after Game Seven that he was tipping his pitches, and and he may very well have. And maybe teams are just better in the postseason about reading some of that stuff. On uh, you know, because it, it's under such a, a large microscope, and more you know, you have more time to to attend to it, and the games have more meaning. But I've got to believe that is what he did in the postseason. It can't help his free agency. I don't know how much it hurts it, but it can't help. No, I always wonder too with a guy like Darvish. His stuff is just so good that I mean, if he is tipping his pitches, that's one thing. But he was missing his spots by so much too. You know, in that game seven, you're looking and you're thinking, this this guy is so good, he has nothing. He has absolutely nothing right now. His slider, they can just take it because he's not throwing it for strikes. I mean, there's no real surprises with you, Darvish, when you're facing him. It's not like the Rays, for example, when you when we see him, it's not like you don't know what's coming. I mean, the, the, you know, his stuff is is good, but his command is usually really good. He just didn't have it in that series. And and look, somebody you know, maybe he won't get the length. But he'll he'll get paid. He's he's good. Uh, he's got a great body of work. He's a very very good pitcher, and you know maybe it'll cost him a little bit. But I'm I'm not I'm not crying for him. He'll, <laughs> I think he'll have enough food on the table. I I would think so too. Um, you know, let, let's turn to the Rays here. Uh, the the staff is now complete. Uh, you know, the the turnover has occurred. I I'm kind of intrigued by the look of the staff and the fact that you've got probably a little more youth. Uh, Ozzie Timmons comes in. Um, Kyle Snyder comes in, uh, Matt Cutrero. We're familiar with all of them. We've seen them in spring trainings before. It's just that now they're all in the major league staff. Yeah, and, and you wonder this could mean for, for a lot of things. I mean, number one, the fact that the new pitching coach is going to be here in Kyle, and maybe that means that this organization sees the shift coming where we're going to be seeing more guys coming up for the minors that we've been hearing about for so many years. You know, how, how much more can we hear about Honeywell and Yanni Chirinos and on and on. At some point, those guys need to get a shot. And why not have it be with a guy that knows them in and out, that knows their background? You know, for people that are upset about Jim Hickey leaving, I can understand that because the race had great success when he was here. But it's almost like when Joe left and, and Andrew, I mean, it's a long run. Not many pitches, pitching coaches last near a decade 
with one team. It just doesn't happen. So uh, I'm, when I talk to people, and you may be dealing with the same thing, Neil, you know, I, I try to set people straight because I think it's a very easy narrative to say, oh, the Rays are losing this guy to a better team and they're losing this guy. They're really not. I mean, uh, look at all the other changes that are going on around the league. It's not just the Rays. It's, it's much more of what tends to happen now in managerial and pitching coach circles. And, and teams make trades. The Rays, if anything, have held on to their manager and pitching coaches longer than most teams. I, mean, I saw the ranking. Kevin Cassius would be what? His, his, what am I, fourth, his year. fourth year. And he's already climbing the ranks of the active managers in seniority to be all within the top half of the league now. So it, those changes are, are due to happen. You know, Ozzie Timmons, who's known his name for many, many years, anxious to look forward to seeing him. I'm happy for Charlie, as I know you are. You've known him longer than anybody with us in our broadcast group, and he deserves this chance. So, look, guys move up. Other guys move on. I wish Jim Hickey the best of luck. I think his I, – I, I look up under those banners, and, you know, he and Joe and – there's a, there's a lot of people whose, whose signatures should be on there, and Jim Hickey is one of them. I, what he did with Shields and Cashmere and those guys, you know, Jim Hickey was still a pretty new pitching coach when he got here in 2007, and those guys were starting to break through. What he did with those young guys I think was terrific. I think the, the fact that he did wonderful work with the bullpen guys, uh, but he, he has great communication skills. But, look, I wish him the best of luck, and, and uh, hopefully we'll see him in the World Series one day against the Rays. That was, certainly would be nice. You know, you mentioned or alluded, and we're going to hear from Ozzie Timmons in a little bit on the podcast, um, but you alluded to the changes in the division. I mean, the Red Sox have basically an entire new coaching staff, and probably the Yankees will too, with Joe Espada going over now to, to the Astros to be their bench coach. <laughs> and, the, and, and the Red Sox have won back-to-back division titles with 93-win seasons, and that's that's which it gets you a fired manager, I guess, these days. But um, you know, to me, sometimes I really think the Red Sox make change for the sake of change. Um, but, hey, Farrell's handled it well. I, I, I think he deserves another chance somewhere. That guy, to me, has done a very good job in an impossible market. And I wonder if, like Francona did, he gets to a market at some point where it's uh, a, a little more forgiving and maybe you enjoy the job a little bit more. I mean, I, I get the sense with, with Francona that he enjoys his job with Cleveland more than mm-hmm. – than some of those end games he had to deal with with the Red Sox, but that's a that's a crazy outfit. Uh, but there, there's I, I don't know where the Yankees are going with this. I, I don't understand what the Yankees are doing. I, I have a lot of respect for Girardi. I know you do too. We've talked yep. about it. I think Girardi's done a fabulous job. I think he's really grown as a manager. Also, uh, I, I don't know what the Yankees what else they wanted out of him. I, I think he's done a super job helping keep teams together, especially when last year when they stripped it down a little bit. That team was still fighting and competing till the end. Now, we never know what's going on behind the scenes, but I don't, I don't know what the Yankees are looking for. Are they looking for someone young and moldable? Are they looking for someone that has experience to put them over the top? I, I, I'm, I'm very confused about what the Yankees are doing managerially. I'm, I'm curious about it as well, and, and look, it's going to play out over the next several weeks. The bottom line is they have talent, and, and when we talk about what the Rays are going to do going forward, you know, the hard part is... What do you do? Because I think Mark Topkins spelled it out this past weekend. You've got 17 players under contract or arbitration eligible who are probably in the neighborhood of $80 million, and you have needs on your staff. I mean, we got a, a tweet from uh, X-Ray Specs who says, something on, uh, can you talk about something on the bullpen needs? And maybe Sergio Romo, you know, returning to the fold. And a lot of that really is going to depend upon what they do with the other pieces around them to address the bullpen needs because they can't, they're going to have to make some changes to be able to, to add properly. I would think so. And, look, it's the extra challenges that a team like the Rays 
has to deal with. I think what's disconcerting is that you look at Boston and New York, and they've got all the money, and they're young and good. Mm-hmm. So they, they've really rebuilt without – I mean, how the Yankees have been able to rebuild this without having to, to tank or strip it down is pretty incredible, and you've got to give them a lot of credit for it. But they've gotten surprises also. They didn't think Aaron Judge was going to be this good. No. Nobody did. I mean, they thought he'd be a, a power hitter. I still am not quite sure after seeing him how he hits for the average he hits because um, he struck out 200-plus times. But, look, he's a, he's a threat every time he comes up. Um, so uh, the challenge is always there for the Rays. I, 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 I'm very, very curious, and I don't know, I don't think any of us do, what's going on behind the scenes right now with, with Eric Neander and, and the boys in the front office because there's a, there's a lot of decisions to be made about do you strip it down? If so, how far do you strip it down? Evan Longoria is going to be a 10-5 and five man come April. That's a very big decision. What do you do with Alex Colomay right now? What do you do with Odorizzi right now? What do you do with Chris Archer right now? Do you build around this team getting better within a couple of years with the young core of pitchers coming up? If so, why hang on to Longoria when you could still get some value? For, I mean, that's I mean, a lot of decisions going on. How do they rebuild this bullpen with the guys that they're going to be losing? Uh, all, all of this talk we keep hearing about with the, the change in philosophy amongst the starters and going shorter with them, uh, how's all that going to work? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. Doesn't mean it can't work. In fact, I think it can work. Yes. But I think the Rays are, are in that position that they were a decade ago when they were trying to figure out what's the next frontier uh, one thing that really stands out to me, Neil, and you, you can appreciate this, I'm sure, is the stat that Fox kept putting up during the World Series about how the Astros went from a team that struck out at the very top of Major League Baseball to almost the very bottom. And the fact that they became a much better contact-hitting team. And I would love to see the Rays become a little bit more of a better contact-hitting team. I'd agree with that, and it's something I'm going to talk with Ozzy about as well, since he's going to be not only first-base coach, but assistant hitting coach. You know, we've got a couple questions on the, this, on the Twitterverse on the same line. You know, Adam Moffat asks, are we losing Cobb, Odo, or any other pitchers? And then Randy uh, Average tweeted in, uh, in terms of what will Nathan Avaldi's role be going forward in 18? Is he a bullpen guy or a starter? And you know, for me... Uh, on Cobb, uh, look, the Rays are, are going to give the qualifying offer. Uh, I'd be surprised if Alex accepts it. I think he's going to get a whole lot more in the open market. And the role of Nathan Ovaldi or whether Jacob Rizzi gets moved, it's really going to depend on the market and, and what the Rays feel is going to best position them going forward. Don't you agree? Yeah, ultimately, I think the next step for this team is going to be with the young pitchers coming up. Uh, you know, And they have to pan out the way the way it did with, with Shields and with Kazmir. Those guys have to be good, and it, it's gotten to the point where there's probably not a tremendous amount more that they can do in the minor leagues. So Snell and Faria will have to continue to uh, evolve in the major leagues. Snell has shown that that's very difficult. Honeywell and Chirinos and some of the other ones are going to have to get better while they're in the major leagues. And if they take off, this team could be very special because – my sense is, I mean, I don't think Odorizzi wants to get traded, but if you just look at what tends to happen with this team, especially when they start to make a certain amount of money, that they're, they're probably going to get moved. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's just the nature of this franchise. And, and it's not even just this franchise. It happens all across baseball. I really think that sometimes in our market people say, oh, it's, it's, the, it's just the race. It's not just the race. It's, it's the business of the game for most of these teams across the board. Now, the, the big market teams have more options. You know, they can sign guys for long-term, and that works sometimes. It doesn't always work, though. I mean, most times free agent pitchers, it doesn't really work on the long-term. I mean, 
Scherzer, that's worked great, but how long will it really work at some point with all those innings piled up? Eventually, you end up paying almost two for one. You know, the, the back half of those deals end up not going so well. But anyway, I, I think ultimately, my guess is I would think, so. you know, Cobb won't be back with a raise. There's a chance Odorizzi won't. I still think there's a chance that Archer won't. But, you know, ultimately, Archer is still signed to a pretty team-friendly deal. He's probably paid more like a number three guy in a rotation. And, boy, if he was a number three guy in the rotation, <laughs> that might make this team a very, very good team. No doubt. Uh, and on Nathan Ovaldi, I, I, I think there's a good chance he starts. Um, just from what, you know, Mark Topkin's written, from what's been said, I, I think he probably is preparing himself to at least compete for the rotation. I w- yeah, I would think so. I think this is a pretty exciting year for him. He's a very good pitcher. Remember years ago, Neil, when, when he went to the Yankees, you and I talking about it from the Marlins and said it was a great deal for the Yankees, and it was. He was very, very good. Now, as we've learned over the years, guys coming back from Tommy John, it doesn't automatically go so well from the beginning, but uh, it, it might with Evaldi. You never know. I mean, some guys come back differently than, than other guys, uh, but I, I think we're going to have to be patient with him in the beginning. They'll be monitoring his innings, I'm sure, but you know, in what might end up being a fairly young rotation, he's, he could end up being a leader but as we've come to see, and we saw it with Cobb, you end up, just the way it ends up working, guys usually have to have some on-field success uh, before they end up kind of taking that mantle of being leader of a staff. No doubt. Andy, great stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you plenty this offseason. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dean. We'll talk again. Well, that was Andy Freed, and we certainly appreciate some time with him. And uh, we mentioned Ozzie Timmons as the race new first base coach, assistant hitting coach, who work on base running as well. And he now joins us. Ozzie, congratulations. Very excited for you. Thank you very much. I've been waiting for this moment, and it's finally here, and I'm looking forward to getting to work. Tell me what it meant to get this opportunity and, and what it was like when you got that call, because, look, we all know what it means to a player to get the call up, and you've been to the big leagues as a player and have played overseas, but you've been coaching for a while to get the chance to coach on a regular basis at the major league level. I'm sure extremely gratifying. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Uh, like you said, as a player, you kind of create your own way. Um, and then as a coach, you kind of have to wait in the wings for a while until you get your opportunity. But along the way, I've, I've had a good time working with the kids in the minor leagues, and now I get a chance to work with a few of them that made it to the big leagues. So that's always exciting. Just to see the guys that you work with make it to the major leagues now, I get a chance to work with them at the major leagues. Tell me a little bit about what you, you know, your relationship with Chad, too, because you guys obviously will work together. I, I don't know how you're going to split up the, the hitting coach responsibilities, but um, you, certainly that's a big, that is a, a, an important piece of your role. Yeah, the big part about it is it was, I was fortunate enough to have Chad as a hitting coordinator. So we established a pretty good relationship. We always talked about if there, were gonna be, if there was going to be a swing change, you know, I always went through him. And it's basically going to be the same type of deal here this year. I mean, like we got how many, what, 12 players, position players on the roster at, during the season. So we all work together to try to make everybody better. But if there's anything, if he wants to give me some guys, that's perfectly fine. I can handle that. But it's still everything would go through Chad just the same way it was when he was the coordinator. How much? But, go ahead. How, how much does it help that you are in spring training every year with a lot of these guys, that you have that relationship and that rapport, whether you're with them during the minor league season or you're, whether, you're, whether you haven't had time with them in the minors? The good part about it is you get a chance to establish a relationship with them. When you have them in the minor leagues, you get a chance to establish a more in-depth relationship. 
But spring training is always good to see those guys, uh, just like I always go to instructional league the past since I've been coaching, just because I like to see the younger guys also. But to get a chance to work with the major league guys during spring training always helps me because I can always learn something then and take it back to the minor leagues. Now I get to learn these guys and I get to stay with them. So that's the good part about being in spring training. It always helps when you're in spring training with those guys. And you've got some some guys that you've coached with now, too. I mean, Kyle Snyder was promoted to the pitching coach, and Q was in this organization for quite a while, and he's now going to be the third base coach. How much does that familiarity, not only with Chad, but the rest of the staff, help you? Oh, it, oh, it makes it a lot easier coming into it. Because so, you always got these guys that can help you. Like, me and Kyle was together the last two years, so we established a pretty good relationship down in Durham. And so, I, you know, he texted me the other day, congratulations, and I texted him back, like, hey, man, let's bring that good success from Durham up to the, to the Tampa Bay Rays. But, yeah, Q was my manager for two years, my first two years of coaching. Um, and, and like I say, when you have a relationship with guys and now you get a new job, it makes it a lot easier to come in and a little bit more relaxed, not as much pressure, I would say, as far as getting to know the, the new guys on the staff because everybody's we've been together for a long time at some point in time, so it makes it a lot easier to come in. And you mentioned, Durham, of the success you had. You know, we only get to see the results. We don't get to see the kids on a daily basis. How talented are some of the young hitters that you had there this year, whether it's Willie Adamas, Jake Bowers, even Justin Williams, who you had for the playoffs? Oh, man, those guys are playing the bat. The, the biggest thing about those guys is they, they, they like to have, a, have fun all the time, and they're very competitive. You know, if they 0 for 4, they can't wait for the next day. If they over two against a pitcher and they don't realize how did this guy get me out, they're ready to battle every time they step into the box. That was the beauty of those guys. On top of they're good, they're good players. They're really good players but with the attitude and the way they handle themselves. It made it a lot easier to deal with. And slumps didn't bother them too much. Not that they went through a long stretch, but when they went through them, it was like they always positive every day they came to the park. They're twenty-one. They're twenty-two years of age. Obviously, you've had a a long, successful career coaching, and you've also had one playing at the major league level. What kind of impact do you think those kids can be at the major league level, whether it's to start the year, whether it's obviously the front office will decide middle of the year, whatever point it is, how good can they be as big leaguers? The thing, like I, they can they can be impact players. I mean, Bowers, he's first baseman, so he's always in every play. you got Willie, who's a shortstop that's, you know, got to be focused and ready to go every day at that position because pretty much everything runs through him up the middle. Um, yeah, I think they, I think they can help the team a lot. And then I, we kind of forget about one of the kids, uh, Keen Wong, with the Cardinals. But this kid's a little player; he's a little second baseman. I don't know how much of an impact he can have, but I think he can he can do some things at that next level. But Bowers and and Adamas, they really stood out just because of their competitiveness. And did you get to know Justin Williams much? I know I know a lot of people talk about the tools he had the year he had in Double A. Yeah, I I, yeah, I got to know him in spring training, and then when he came up, he 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 was very professional about when he came up. He was he was quiet. He sat in the corner, but he did his job. He came up there ready to play. I mean, it it didn't how can I say it didn't shock him that he's in Triple A or that he was in awe of everybody. He came out and played, but yes, he had some talent out. There. Only got to see him for a month, maybe that, just due to playoffs. But from what I've seen, he can play. Certainly leads to, you know, an exciting future. The one thing that Andy and I discussed, too, is, you know, Houston winning the World Series this year. Obviously, they have tremendous talent. I don't think anyone doubts that. Um, but one of the things that they did was they went from being the top strikeout team in baseball to one of the bottom strikeout teams in baseball. And some of that is the veteran players they brought in. 
can can a, a player improve over time, reducing his his strikeout rate, improving his two strike approach without sacrificing too much in terms of power and the ability to drive in runs? Of course he can. Uh, I think you know I talked to a few of my buddies about this. You know, you get a, for example, you get a man on third less than two outs, and most of the time it's infield back. It, and and you get the two strikes. You know, I think two strike approach is more of a mentality to not I don't want to strike out. And if you get to that point, then you you would do something different to battle. And I don't think you know a two strike approach is going to keep you from driving in runs. I really think it'll help you drive in more runs because I mean you're just putting that ball in play. For example, I mean that's a they're giving you a run, they're giving you an RBI with a man on third infield back. You got to take advantage of that because you know it's, as a hitter you're not going to always feel good, but when you can take advantage of hitting a routine ground ball up the middle and get an RBI, you got to take that. And that's what I think. RBI machines, that's how they do it. They're not going to always get a hit in those situations. They're not going to always get a home run. But if I can put that ball in play and get that run in, that's production. And that's what you look for, production. If, I, if we can produce, then you're going to win. That's, that's just part of the game. So you got to take those days when you're not feeling well and put that ball in play. So yeah, I don't know if the Houston Astros have a two-strike approach mentality, but those guys battle every at-bat. It's never an easy out. Well, I wish you a lot of luck in your new role um, on the bases, with the base runners, with the hitters, and, and improving that production going forward and working with Chad. And we certainly appreciate a few minutes, and we'll see you this coming spring. I'm sure we'll see you a lot in Tampa Bay since you live in this area, too. Uh, thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Really good stuff from Ozzie Timmons, and we're happy to have him now on the Major League staff and wish him a lot of success. And, of course, with the Rays hitters and base runners uh, going forward in his new role at the big league level. Let's turn to the minor league side. You know, we've touched on the fact that seven players in the organization are in Arizona in the fall league. Well, there are four players who are going to be in Australia uh, this winter, and the guy from the Rays system who will be coaching them is Craig Albernaz, who now joins us. Albie, this seems like not only a good opportunity for the players, but really good for you, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I never even thought about even going to Australia. So to uh, them to ask me and to go, uh, you know, I'm pumped up and excited for the opportunity, you know, especially with the guys are bringing it over there. It's going to be a good time. Let's touch on some of the guys that, that are going over because some of them you have uh, coached or, or managed before. Uh, I know Zach Law is going to be going for the first half of the season before he – he gets married, and he's a guy who is a conversion guy to catcher and really adjusted well in Hudson Valley. Yeah, I mean, Zach and Zach Law, I mean, so much, so much you can say about the kid. I mean, he's so athletic, and his work ethic and his makeup, I mean, he's just a great kid. Um, we were debating on, you know, talking with Paul Hoover and Skip Evans and, you know, Mitch and Jeff McLaren about, you know, rest over reps with Zach. And, I mean, he's a horse. Uh, he was outstanding this year with the bulk of the work catching uh we upped his playing time load and he handled it well so you know i was okay with him going to australia and especially it's only gonna be for the first half it's gonna be good for him to get those extra reps and then it will also get him some time to rest uh before spring training to head into the 2018 season and the level of play from what i understand in australia what is it probably between high a double a somewhere in that neighborhood so he'll get a, a better look in terms of the talent he'll see Yes, yeah, it's like high A, double A, you know, there's a uh, few in between, you know, there's some big leagues that are on there. I know uh, Warwick Suppole, the pitcher with the Detroit Tigers, uh, he's actually going to be playing on the team we're with. Hmm. Uh, Peter, Peter Mullen with the Royals, he's on the team. So, uh, and it looks like what I've been following, 
um, on their website, a bunch of other teams are signing, uh, are bringing guys over from other organizations. I know Texas Rangers are sending uh, three guys to a team and stuff. I actually just saw that uh, Delman Young signed with the I team. I saw that. Play. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, it's an interesting um, talent pool. And there's also some good young Australian talent that try to make their way over here. So it should be competitive. And, and certainly for a catcher to you know to have to help their pitchers through hitters who've been at the big league level, I think would be an interesting challenge for Zach. And the other guys are all offensive players, right? Who are headed over there? Yeah, all offensive players. We got uh, you know Jake Fraley be heading over there. Um, he missed the majority of this season with an injury, so you know he's going to be going over there to obviously make up some at bats. We got Garrett Whitley, and then uh, Michael Brasso is also be going over there. And for each of them, I'm sure the the reasons are different. From from what I could gather, it seemed like Garrett took a really big step forward in his development. Yeah, Garrett Willie, uh, he started off um, started off slow a little bit, but then he picked it up and finished the season strong. Uh, I wouldn't say he was always behind the eight ball, but you know, being a, a high school Northeast player, um, you know, only playing 20 games in a high school season, you know, you just kind of the, the reps are behind. But with, with the way he finished up and to carry it into Australia to get more at bats is only going to help with his development. And not a people, not a lot of people know a lot about uh, Mike Brousseau, who who you mentioned is the fourth player headed over there too. I, I think he impressed a lot of people with what he did this year. Yeah, he was in uh, he was in the GCL his first year, a uh, college guy. Um, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure he was undrafted. Mm-hmm. You know, he he made the Bowling Green team as he was still the infielder, and he just hit. That's plain and simple. He hits. He plays solid defense, and then they moved him up. To, we moved him up to uh, Port Charlotte, the high A team, and he kept hitting there. So again, he's the guy who's just put put his name on the map, and there's another great opportunity for him to to keep on making a name for himself, putting numbers up, and that. So as he moves forward, who knows what can happen with him? But he's a great kid, works hard, and I'm excited to be around him. What is it going to mean to you too, just to be? Uh, it, is this the first time you're involved in winter ball? I'm trying to remember if when you played, you you played winter ball at all. No, I did not. This is the first time. Yeah, I'm involved in winter ball, so it's uh, it's definitely exciting. You know, traveling halfway around the world um, to go, to go do it is uh, is definitely going to be a uh, interesting feat. And you've got a, a a little one too, who's just about to turn one, and I know your family's going to go with you too. So I'm sure that's going to make it that much better oh yeah I mean, a perfect opportunity for uh perfect time you know he's 11 months at the moment uh 11 months as of a couple of days ago so um he'll, he'll be just just about a year when we head over there so you know he's not in school it'll be a great experience for, for the whole family now the the team is in uh that you're representing is in perth this year i know last the last couple of years it was in brisbane is that right yes last couple of years in, in brisbane and then now we're going over to uh to perth the Perth Heat. Is there anything in who's uh, who is uh, the name in terms of the coaches? Is it a name that would be familiar that that'll be on the staff with you, or who, who's had major league time? Um, I believe the hitting coach is Luke Hughes. Okay, he had major league time with the uh, with the Minnesota Twins, and the 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 manager they have there is uh, Andrew Kyle. I'm and, not sure if you I'm not sure if you played in the, over in the states. And from a, a perspective of culture, you know, I think if I remember right, it's where you play four days a week, Thursday to Sunday, and, and you don't play Monday to Wednesday, so there is an opportunity to sightsee and do things of that nature as well? Yeah, yeah, it's a great opportunity to sightsee, but it also gives the, you know, the guys listening over there, you know, uh, you know a bit of an off-season 
where they can on those days we'll go to the we'll go to the field. You know, they'll get their workout in, hit in the cage, do the defensive work, um, get a good workout, and just like they were in the normal off season, except that you're going to mix in, you know, three to four games a week on a weekend. So you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, the opportunity to kind of see the world to uh, to get to play some games, but probably not get too much, so that you're getting reps, but not so many that's going to wear you down for spring training. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great experience. Yeah, we're excited to go sightseeing and stuff. I know. I'm um, just talking with the GM um, over at Perth. You know, they got some stuff set up for us, so uh, they're a first class organization. I'm very excited to be over there. Well, I hope you have a great time, and certainly we hope all the players that are out there are going to be from the race organization are productive, and and uh, hopefully it's a, a very successful trip, and we'll see you in spring training. Absolutely. Thanks, Neil. Good talking to you. That is Craig Albernaz, again, who will be coaching in Australia. We wish him a lot of luck. We mentioned that one of the guys who will be coaching, at least for the first part of the season, before he gets married, is Zach Law. Zach was a catcher on the Hudson Valley team that won a championship with Craig Albernaz, and I asked Zach Law before he left, about what winning a championship first meant to him. Oh, man, it was a ton of fun. Uh, we had a great group of guys. Uh, coaching staff was phenomenal, and I think they I mean, they motivated us, us every day. So I think we had a lot of fun. I heard uh, tremendous reviews from your manager there, Craig Albernaz, about your conversion to catcher. What was this year like, and, and how did you think the year went? Oh, I mean, it went, it went great. I had Albie working with me every day, and that's – Always a, uh, a plus, and I mean, he knows he knows what he's talking about, so that helped me throughout the whole year. Where do you think you grew as a as a catcher? Where do you think you came the furthest? Well, I mean, from last instructs. I mean, just from a year, I think I feel like I feel a lot more comfortable, and um, so yeah, I just feel a lot more comfortable behind there, you know, with my pitching staff and and everything. What was the hardest part, or what has been the hardest part? The blocking, the receiving, the game calling? What, what's been the biggest adjustment? Um, I would probably say game calling because sometimes you never, you know, the, pit, the pitchers, we might not be on the same page and, and stuff, so that you kind of, it takes time to get to know the pitcher, know what he likes to throw in certain counts, so that's probably the toughest. As a guy who grew up playing football, too, in Texas, does that football mentality help you, blocking behind the plate, that kind of tenacity, you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, just got to be tough behind there and, you know, wearing balls off the off the mask, off the elbow, and just, yeah, so I think it did help. You know, I had talked to Mitch Lukovic, and he told me about how talented the pitching staff was there. How good was it in your mind? Oh, I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, we did – I mean, they battled their butts off, and, and I was behind there battling my butt off for them, and it, it just worked out perfect. Congratulations on a great year here. Now you're going to get to go to Australia. What's that going to mean to you? Oh, it means a lot. I'm excited. Looking forward to uh, going out there and, and playing for, you know, however the first half. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. What do you think will be the best or what will help the most? Is it the additional reps behind the plate? Is it additional at-bats? What What is it for you? Yeah, just reps. I need reps behind there. You know, this is my only. This is only my first year. I mean, the swings, obviously, I need to uh, keep on swinging it. And But, yeah, I think, I think the reps is what I need. And are you anxious to go see another part of the world that you haven't seen before? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I, you know, jumped at the bit, so... And on the heels of that, you're going to get married, too. So it's probably – was this qualifiers your best year in the game? I would think so, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, 
congratulations on an awesome year and uh, enjoy Australia and uh, congratulations on a championship. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's Zach Law, and we wish him a lot of luck as he continues to grow down in Australia, and also good luck with his upcoming wedding as well. Uh, we we answered some of your questions with uh, Andy Freed uh, on Twitter, and we certainly appreciate those. A couple of those uh, I didn't get to. Probably I will start to answer as we move through the offseason. I think a lot of them were probably a little too early, like Michael Parnell asked which minor leaguers have the best chance to break camp with a big club next spring. And, and a lot of those type questions really depend upon what changes are made with the roster. So I think for those, I'm probably going to want to wait and see and, and, and determine what the Rays roster looks like going into the 1st of February or things of that nature. But I, I think the questions you guys did provide were terrific, and you can continue to follow our blog at raysradio.mlblogs.com. We'll do some analysis work there. Um, in addition to that, um, we're also going to have podcasts as we go throughout the course of the offseason. So my next one probably will be either late this week, early next week, previewing the general managers meetings, which occur in Orlando the 13th through the 15th. If there's any other raised news, we'll be sure to pass it along and address it either via blog or podcast. Thanks to all the guests on the show, Andy Freed, Ozzie Timmons, Craig Albernaz, and Zach Law. We'll talk to you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.